This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on itrwrestling.com, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Tuesday, we're back to a normal recording schedule. My name is Kenny and I'm joined by Finn. Finn, how are you this lovely Tuesday afternoon? Kenny, I'm feeling fantastic. I finished my writing for Inside the Ropes magazine. You know, I'm 100% focused on this podcast. There you go, that's all you're ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I got me what's going down finished last night at about quarter to 10, and uh, which was a great relief. Only spotted one error in it, which I had to correct this morning. Only one error. That's not bad for me. Usually there's none. Usually you're, I've, when, I end up doing, when I end up doing the proofreading, there's, there's never uh, an error in an F. Martin thing. So, well, I mean, some others there's, there's, they're riddled with them, but that's another story for another time, Finn. Exactly. Um, or perhaps not a story forever. <laughs> yeah, maybe a story that will never be told. No, I'm kidding. Um, but anyway, um, lo- lots of stuff for us to discuss today. I did want to ask you, um, because we didn't get a chance to discuss this last week because obviously I was off, but um, Blood and Guts took place a couple of weeks ago um, and uh, obviously it was the sequel and you know Jericho said to me on stage when I was asking him about it that he saw the blood and guts that happened this year as the kind of the real one and last year as the kind of uh, like basically his the whole thing he was saying was the crowd being there made this the first proper blood and guts what did you think of their second installment of it did you think it was any better than the first any worse overall what was your feeling coming out of it it was a lot. I mean, I don't know whether it was better or worse than the first one. I mean, I, th- I think it probably was better because the first one was rather overshadowed by Jericho's bump and the famous crash mat and the obviousness that it was a crash mat that he landed on. Yeah, I, I am obviously aware that Sammy Guevara took a fall off the cage. Eddie, Eddie Kingston hurled him off and he landed on like this raised platform that was obviously padded, but because he had a large black sheet over it and they didn't have any close-ups or maybe like one close-up but they didn't linger like they did with the Jericho bump you know the 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 you know the the suspend the whole Jericho thing really 
you know, suspension of disbelief died, didn't it, really, after the match? That was the problem with it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make that mistake again with Sammy. They had the shot of him crashing onto the raised platform. Then the camera returned to the top of the cage for the ending of the match, which, as we talked about last week, was Claudio Castagnoli uh, forcing Matt Menard to tap out to the Scorpion Deathlock. So, yeah, lots of blood, lots of action. Lasted, I think, was it nearly 48 minutes or something mm-hmm. like that? It was a really long match, wasn't it? Um, drawing pins, there was the barbed wire bat, there was a table or more than one table, there was chairs, Kendall stick. I mean, there was gimmicks galore. So, I mean, I think it delivered what people wanted to see, which was carnage, mayhem, action. You know, blood. I don't think there was actually any guts, but lots of blood. So, um, lots yeah, of blood. it was obviously a hit with the crowd. Um, I mean, for me, it was too long. I think there was too many people in it. Uh, 12 people in it was too many. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, to me, these, these matches should last a maximum of 20 minutes. I mean, we talked previously about the War Games matches in NXT that have lasted close to 40 minutes. I don't think NXT has ever uh, presented a double ring War Games rule cage match that lasted for nearly 48 minutes. As far as I know, I think they topped 40 minutes and those matches were too long. Um, but I mean, I think they did I think they did a good job filling the time that they were out there. But again... It was too long. These matches are better if they're shorter, the more dramatic. And it just felt like an exercise in filling time. But the crowd lapped it up, Kenny. You know, the, the audience really enjoyed it. Um, you know, and that is the main thing. What did uh, you think? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you. I think the, the same... I, I enjoyed it. I think the criticism of it is the same one as yours, which is, you know, we kind of got 25 minutes of not much happening. So, but I think they did as well as they could to to make that work. I thought the Sammy spot was better. Um, but I, I did think that a lot of the kind of the secondary players had a good night. Uh, what I found interesting was I thought that, you know, Santana and Ortiz and Angelo Parker and Matt Menard all had really good nights. And it was kind of interesting to me that Daniel Garcia probably had the least, he was the least interesting of the crop of anybody in the match. Yeah. And given that he's the one that, you know, we sometimes hear about, you know, he's the, you know, groomed for success. It's like... Really? I mean, the guy has the charisma of a flat tire. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean... Just... You know, not- if if Daniel Garcia is the answer, <laughs> then it's time to change the question. <laughs> um, yeah, just not... Not, but I, I mean, I thought everybody else, like I said, I thought that guys like Matt Menard and Angelo Parker had really good nights because they, you know, it kind of gave them a bit more. And I thought the finish by having Claudio kind of steal the thunder from Eddie was good. The swing on Jericho looked really good. I mean, I, I felt uncomfortable for Jericho, even though it's, I'm, you know, nothing's going to happen to him. But I mean, you can only imagine taking that swing that high up it would just be. Yeah. Jericho actually was saying on when we were talking about it on stage. And I've, I've never heard this before. I've never thought to ask the question before. But he said the key when you do the swing with Claudio is you have to lock eyes with him and not deviate from that. And that's how you don't lose it. That's how you try to not lose your balance. So yes. he's sort of locking his eyes with Cesaro and then they do it uh, with Claudio and they do it. And But he said as the swing was like, you know, swing three or four, it's very difficult to keep that focus on him when you're that high up. So I thought that spot was interesting. But um yeah, so blood and guts. I, I think the second one was better than the first one. I think it um, it just it, it just worked better. The crowd were, were into it, so um, we'll see who magically needs to feud next May for another blood and guts uh, next year. Um, we we're obviously going to talk about Raw and SmackDown, um, but I do want to bring up a note from not this past week's SmackDown that we're going to talk about, which was of course the uh, July. 8th edition, I do want to bring up something from the July 1st edition, Finn, because I was away and I didn't get to talk about the debut of Maximum Male Models. Mansoir 
and Macy. I mean, this is right up my alley of bonkers. And, you know, Max Dupree, he's, he's hamming it up. What do, you, what do you make of this gimmick and uh, Mansoir and Massey's potential uh, as these fashion uh, icons that walk down the runway? Uh, isn't it Massey? Massey, it's Massey. Massey with an acute accent on the mm. E and Mansoir. Mansoir and Massey. Mansoir. <laughs> Uh, what do you think of the gimmick? Obviously, it's not uh, you know they're they're not going to enter a blood and guts match tomorrow. But you know, no. what do you what do you think their chances are? Um, I mean, I, I I mean I wrote about this in in what's going down, and I didn't make a prediction as to whether or not I think it's going to succeed because we've only seen two weeks of this officially, haven't we? And yes. I think it's going to be like a Andrew Chase U. I think the Chase U thing could be a hit on the main roster if it's ever brought up, which I think it will be one day. I think Vince would find Andrew Chase hilarious. I just think this character would just appeal to him on so many levels. And I understand why maximum male models is a thing as well. And, um, you know, the way it was staged and lit and shot, obviously loads of effort had gone into this. Um, the writers had spent a long time as well um, penning uh, Max Dupree's lines for his running commentary when Massé and Mansoir came out and posed on the red carpet and the little runway as the photographers were on either side snapping away furiously. Um, you know, Max was talking about Massé's amazing physique, his hamstrings, <laughs> his ankles. His glorious inseam. Uh, when it came to Mansoir, he was he was wearing the bum bag across his front, and of course Pat McAfee thought that was hilarious. We have the Michael Hayes reference, of course, mm-hmm. obligatory Michael Hayes reference. Um, Dupree said of Mansoir that he was uh, the personification of swell. Uh, and his uh, his glasses and his across the chest bum bag or fanny pack uh, added to his overall aura. So you know they both posed in glasses, Massey and Mansoir, and I think they had a great. I think I think um, the former Mason and the Mansoir character. I think they were having a blast doing this. I mean they're absolutely committed to it. This was one hundred percent devotion to this gimmick. And you've got to also say, I think Max Dupree, the former LA Knight, I think was really good as well. And this is a guy who very easily, Kenny, could have had a very bad attitude towards this. I mean, LA Knight, to me, was such a, such a talented all-rounder, in amazing physical condition. I mean, he's so sharp in the ring that you could say, well, this guy's totally wasted in this role. And yeah, in a sense, you could say he is. But let's see how the story plays out. And these guys are obviously going to wrestle at some point. And I think when they do, I think Dupree will impress main roster audiences. And more importantly, Kenny, Vincent K. McMahon. That's the only person he really needs to impress in the ring. And by going along with this, not having an attitude towards it, you know, not pouting and saying, oh, why am I not being used as a wrestler? Why am I in this role as the founder of Maximum Male Models? He's doing himself so much good backstage. He is earning so many loyalty points with Vince by, you know, putting his heart and soul into this gimmick, which, as you say, is, it's, com- it's outrageously over the top, isn't it? It really is. Um, but, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's playfully acted and presented you know, it's all tongue in cheek. I think the, the week two with the 2022 uh, tennis wear collection. I mean, there were so many double entendres and sexual references. It was unreal, wasn't it? I mean, if, I, I think overall, though, I'm with you. I mean, I think that if, if Mason, if the former Mason Mansour were doing anything else, it wouldn't be over. They would just be relegated to main event. So they see this as their their chance to do something here, and I think Vince will love it. I think Vince will love you know 
and you know, this week they did the tennis gimmick where they came out in tennis season because it's Wimbledon. And, you know, they've, they've got that really awkward pose when they came out to do their sort of like, you know, end of catwalk applause. Yeah. Where they kind of, you know, they, they stand against each other, but they never quite get the pose right, which I assume is deliberate. Um, oh yeah, it will be. Everything's all going to be rehearsed and micromanaged beyond belief. This sort of thing. This is that will not be accidental, or would not yeah. be an accidental. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm. I'm really. I'm hopeful for them that they can figure it a way that when they eventually have to wrestle, that they can figure it a way to incorporate, you know, their characters into their matches a little bit, so that it's not just like you know, the, another version of the fiend wrestling, but it just becomes really dull when they get in the ring so they will do it kind of this i mean this is almost like the role that the velveteen dream would have yes. had had he not have had what happened or what allegedly happened well we know he's no longer with the company anyway so we know that let's yeah. not get into why he's not with the company because that's another story entirely but this is the sort of role that he would have been perfect for isn't it and it's as if they're playing this like the Velveteen Dream would have done. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good example of, you know, the, the dreamisms that he used to have is, is exactly what they should be doing when they start wrestling. So Yeah, I mean, that'll all be happening on, on the ring apron, and I think it will get over. I mean, there's just some hilarious lines in week two. <laughs> what, is, what is the line of it? They're titillating the juice of your guilty pleasures. Yeah, that's that. That is strap line. They yeah, they titillate the juices of your guilty pleasures. That's the line. <laughs> I mean, like Dupree when they're out there modeling the tennis collection on Friday SmackDown, and uh, Dupree said of Mansoir, he in evinces the essence of game set match. I mean, how much time was spent on that line? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, I like a, you know, a, a word, there was some wordsmithery here, Kenny. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of thought has gone into this, and uh, the, the announcers are having a great time. Obviously, it was Corey Graves and Michael Cole on SmackDown on Friday, because as they revealed, Happy Corbin had attacked Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee after Money in the Bank had gone off the air, so he wasn't on commentary on SmackDown on Friday. And then Corbin accepted McAfee's SummerSlam challenge. So we know that match is happening. So it's McAfee versus Corbin at SummerSlam. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I'm amused by it. Let's see where it goes. I mean, I think it will. I'm, I think it's going to make it. I think it's going to, I think it's going to do all right. And a big part of the reason for that is when Dupree gets in the ring, he will be so motivated to absolutely rock it and ace it in the ring that I'm sure he will. And uh, I'm sure, you know, he's a smart guy. He's been in the business long enough now that he knows how the game is played. And I think Dupree's looking at this like, well, this is my way to show WWE that I'm on board with this gimmick. And if I'm on board with this gimmick, then maybe when the time comes, they'll be on board with me as a wrestler. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I look forward to seeing what they do this coming week as well. But um, elsewhere on SmackDown this past week, we had our Roman Reigns appearance, which we don't obviously get that often anymore. Um, he comes out at the beginning of the show to do a promo with Paul Heyman. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we even get an appearance from Austin Theory, who, um, you know, takes a lap with the money in the bank briefcase, you know, playing up to the idea that maybe you know, the winner of uh, Reigns and Lesnar at SummerSlam might end up uh, being the victim of a cash-in. But, um, you know, this, this appearance by Roman Reigns was basically just him standing there as Paul Heyman cuts the promo for him and Brock for SummerSlam. Uh, what did you make of this opening segment and uh, Roman's appearance? Yeah, tremendous. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about it is the new Acknowledge the Bloodline t-shirts, which are awful. They're, not, they're not great, are they? Who designed them? This is the top act in the company, and that's the best you can do. Um, but yeah, Reigns was really good, but this was the Paul Heyman show. I mean, what a promo. I mean, there is no one in wrestling anywhere near as good as Paul Heyman right now on the stick. He was, he was, he was outstanding on Raw as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, Reigns was talking about Lesnar, and then Paul Heyman's there, and he's looking really concerned. 
And Reigns asked Heyman, you know, what the problem was. And then he passed Heyman the microphone and we had a close-up of Heyman's hand that was shaking. And, you know, he was selling. It was Heyman who was selling the threat posed by Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, not Reigns. And I thought that was a, a really good touch there. But it didn't appear that Heyman was on the verge of, you know, turning on Reigns because we've already done that storyline. Yeah. So this is a new storyline, which I think is you know really original. So he talked about, you know, uh, how uh, Lesnar was, um, you know, Lesnar was a guy who was your conqueror. He was the guy who wasn't supposed to beat the Rock at SummerSlam 2002, but he did. He wasn't the person who was supposed to end the Undertaker streak in 2014, but he did. Here, Heyman said, I'm scared. You know, he said that, you know, Reigns would have to enter the performance of his career against Lesnar in what will be Lesnar's last match against Reigns for the belts. They've, they've made that clear that this is the final Lesnar versus Reigns match. I thought it was an incendiary promo from Paul Heyman. I mean, he was, yeah, he absolutely brought it and really conveyed the significance of the threat posed by Lesnar to Reigns, which I think was something that needed to happen because obviously Reigns won the last match. He won the crown jewel match as well, didn't he, Kenny? Yeah, he so, did. I mean, so it was really important to, to let us know that Reigns was in for the fight of his life. And then, as you said, Theory came out. He was in the aisle. Then he did a lap around the ring. And, you know, Reigns looked on. You know, he was perplexed. What's this guy doing? But Theory has said that, you know, after he faces Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam in a US title rematch, um, he's going to cash in the briefcase after the Lesnar versus Roman Reigns last man standing match. And he reiterated that on Raw, didn't he? He did, yeah. So he's, he's telling us his plan. Is he telling us the truth? Time will tell. Yes, um, telling the truth. Yes, we don't know. Uh, elsewhere in the show, we had Liv Morgan coming up for her championship celebration. She was interrupted by Natalia. Um, Natalia said that, you know, she's the only reason that Liv Morgan is, hold, is holding the title. Um, and, uh, you know, at SummerSlam, uh, there's no way Liv Morgan could beat a healthy Ronda Rousey. Um, and then R Ronda Rousey actually comes out and uh, Rousey basically kind of threatens her that at SummerSlam, you know, she's maybe going to take the title back. And it leads us to a Ronda Rousey-Natalia rematch, which lasts two minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> uh, where, you know, God bless Natalia, but she wasn't getting a win here. Um Liv Morgan and... I mean, she doesn't get wins very often, let's be honest. No, she does not. She does not. But I mean, you know, they're, they're basically all but telling us we're going to get Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. I mean, it's, a it's, I mean, it's definitely going to be the biggest match of Liv Morgan's career. Um, and also going to be quite interesting to see how they book it, because as we said you know, before, it's like, how do you... Is Ronda Rousey really going to take a second loss in a row? But is Liv Morgan going to lose the belt straight away? They've put themselves or are putting themselves in an interesting booking predicament. What do you think? Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, I mean, given the level of support for Liv Morgan, it seems inconceivable. If you can use that word about WWE or anything they might do, <laughs> that they would take the belt off her at SummerSlam and put it back on Ronda Rousey. But at the same time, you know, it's like, will, Rosie, will Rousey do a second consecutive premium live event job to Liv Morgan? I mean, I've got to say that Morgan's going to... I'm predicting that Morgan will retain. I'm not sure how she will achieve this, but I can't believe they'll take the belt off her. I just can't see that happening. Um, I mean, it could be a non-finish. Bailey could potentially make a return there. That's a possibility. I think if they were to do that, if it were to be like, say, Charlotte Flair and Bailey returning at SummerSlam, I think they would get away with a non-finish. If you had like a big brawl afterwards, I think they'd get away with it then. But it would have to be something as big as that for people to be satisfied with a DQ or count-out finish in the rematch. Yeah, and, yeah it's got to be something. There's got to be a big extra, big extra in order for them to get away with presenting anything other than a, than a pinfall or submission. But it would be devastating for Liv Morgan if she were to lose to Rousey at SummerSlam. Just devastating. So I can't see that happening. 
Um, as for Natalia here, I mean, yeah, she came out, she started mouthing off, saying that Liv Morgan would never have beaten Ronda at Money in the Bank had she not injured Ronda first. Rousey came out, that led to the Rousey versus Natalia match. Rousey, to her credit, was selling a leg throughout the match. And she just worked over Natalia's uh, left leg, knee and ankle, and then won by tap out fairly quick match, which was, I think was for the best, really. I mean, this is Natalia's role. I mean, she is there. She's the veteran. And she's there to put people over on their way to title matches. That's just that simple. That's her role now. And I'm sure she's very... I can't imagine that she's got any objections to that role in 2022. No. Um, she surely has to know, even though we've talked about it before, that she... <laughs> I mean, surely she doesn't believe that she was ever really going to be the person to defeat Rousey. <laughs> surely she doesn't believe that. She was just saying that to big herself up. You'd hope so. You'd hope that she has that level of... Uh... Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Um, I, do, I, I, do, I do feel, you know, I feel sorry for Natalia, Finn, but I also, feel, I also feel a little bit bad for you because, you know, you are fully aboard the Bailey return train and every month they're letting you down with not bringing her out. So I'm hoping that SummerSlam is finally going to be the moment where she makes this big return because she is ready to go by all accounts. She is, yeah. She was backstage at a NXT house show of the weekend. I know that she was there, I think, helping out. She was there, uh, house show in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So, that was the one that featured the promo from The Rock's daughter. Yes, Ava, Ava Rain. Is that the Ava name? Rain, that's it, yeah. Ava Rain, whose who's wrestling nickname is The Final Girl. Whatever that means. She's playing a heel. There you go. We'll see, we'll see how she does. Speaking of heels, though, Finn, uh, Lacey Evans turned heel on Aaliyah um, on SmackDown. Obviously, Lacey Evans had been doing those babyface promos leading up to, well, for a couple of months leading up to Money in the Bank. She was vociferously booed by the crowd at Money in the Bank. Uh, so, I mean, heel, the heel turn felt like the, really the only, the only thing you could do, right? To get things yeah. back on track with her. Yeah, I think it was the only way out of... It was the only way I think they recognised obviously they recognise that the response at Money in the Bank from the crowd was that we certainly don't want this person winning the briefcase um, and we don't really like this person at all. She comes across kind of conceited, even though she was pouring her heart out and trying to come across as humble. Um, I mean, those videos really, I don't know whether she was ever going to make it as a baby face. I know they've always really thought highly of Lacey Evans, WWE, because of her backstory. But there again, you know, a lot of people in WWE aren't really in touch with the way the world thinks. And Lacey Evans was somebody who had this, there was this sort of air of arrogance to her. There was just something about her that was ever so slightly heelish, even when she was playing a heroine when she was playing, you know, American super he- super heroine or make American hero. So I can't say I was surprised when I heard that they turned her because I think they were really flogging a dead horse if they had continued to push her as a baby face. It would have just got embarrassing or more or more embarrassing than it had be- than it was at Money in the Bank. It just would have got worse week in, week out. Mm-hmm. So I think they did the right thing. I thought she caught a pretty damn good heel promo here on SmackDown when she said that she was disgusted with the response, said the audience were were weak and envious of her and what she had achieved in her life and saying words to the effect that they couldn't do half of what she had done. Um, She said that the audience could go to hell, you know, and she, you know, just didn't have any any time for him at all until they gave her the respect that she knew she deserved. Um, so, yeah, there's supposed to be a match between Leah and Lacey Evans versus Shotzi and Shayna Baszler. Shotzi and Shayna Baszler did not come out. It was just a Leah in the ring. And then after Evans had trashed the crowd and, and the audience responded in kind, really good response to her. Uh, actually, really good response in terms of a heel response before she'd even spoken. Because <laughs> she'd, she'd walked out, wasn't... Uh, satisfied with the response, went 
to the end of the uh, aisle and kind of did her entrance again and then again. So at that point, people realized that she was playing heel and, you know, responded accordingly. Um, and then after she trashed the audience, you know, Leah's like, you know, what's going on? And Evans struck her with the women's right. So, yeah, she's a full on, fully fledged heel character again. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how far she's going to go, but I think she's going to go further as a heel than she would have done as a baby face. Um, yeah, I mean, I think she, this, this was the only way to go and we'll see how we'll see how it all plays out. Um, the other thing on SmackDown, I mean, there's not really much point going too far into it, but they'd advertised we're going to get Drew McIntyre and Sheamus with the winner facing the Universal Undisputed Champ at Clash at the Castle, but then Sheamus said that he needs to get tested for COVID because he's not ready to wrestle. Uh, so Drew beat Butch instead. So we assume we'll get that Drew and Sheamus match maybe this week to inevitably have Drew win and be the person who faces the champ in Cardiff. Maybe Theory. What do you think? Maybe Theory versus Drew McIntyre? I mean, it doesn't have the box office appeal of Roman and Drew, but, I mean, he's, he's definitely got a better chance of winning the title if it's Theory. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that Roman, at least at least either Roman or Brock Lesnar appears. Surely one of them has to on the show of this magnitude. Um, but I, yeah, I heard one quite interesting theory today from someone, uh -huh. which was that Theory could possibly leave SummerSlam as champion and Paul Heyman, after Theory wins the belt, becomes Theory's manager. Yeah, I mean, you could you could do that. You could. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them to put put Heyman in that position, and they're very I mean, high on theory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if if theory really needs someone to do the talking for him. I thought I thought he did tremendous on Raw. I'm sure, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but I thought he did really well. Um, but yeah, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus didn't happen. I mean, maybe that match uh, with the stipulation that the winner faces. The undisputed champion at Clash of Castle. Maybe they'll maybe they'll spin that one out until SummerSlam. Maybe a match with a stipulation that big should take place at SummerSlam, not on regular TV. Yeah, I mean it probably should because they're not they're not going to give Drew another big match at SummerSlam. So you may as well do the Sheamus one. Yeah, I I think I would do that if I were them. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on to Raw. Uh, we opened the show with Brock Lesnar making a rare appearance. He came out. And obviously he's hyping up his match with uh, with Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, but then Paul Heyman comes out to interrupt. Um, and Heyman, uh, you know, is is talking about what happened at WrestleMania. And, you know, we're going to go from the most stupendous WrestleMania of all time to the most barbaric SummerSlam of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, he said that... Uh, you know, this, you was should... a, this was after Reigns had said... Uh, this was after Lesnar had said that Reigns was a hog... And he was going to slaughter him at SummerSlam. And then Heyman came out and he said, speaking of hogs. <laughs> which is uh, a great line. Uh, the Usos were watching backstage. We, we made sure to see that. So, you know, if if, Heyman, if, if Lesnar does end to Heyman, they're there. Um, he reminded Lesnar that Reigns is approaching 700 days as the Undisputed Universal champ. Uh, or as champion generally, not, not both belts. But... Um, and then, as you say, Theory ended up coming out, and he had a pretty, pretty star-making performance here. He came out, and uh, you know, I, I think he, I think to the naysayers, I don't think he's necessarily won people round, but I think he's definitely made people who are not on the Theory train kind of go, hmm, I'm, I'll see where this goes. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Heyman said to Lesnar, "This is one streak you will not conquer." I mean, Heyman was, as I said, I mean, this was just awesome promo i mean Heyman right now is just on fire and uh, i mean he was he was just killer out there and then lesnar was, had had a really good night as well on the mic i mean you know this was the thing i said this previously when Heyman was doing lesnar's talking for him and lesnar never spoke you know i felt shortchanged because lesnar's really good on promos and he's proven that you know ever since well ever since the beginning of the year so i mean um, you know or really actually since late last year and then Theory walked out. I mean, and that was quite a spot for Theory. He's got Heyman there. Heyman's just cut, like, one of the best promos of his career. We've got Lesnar, 
highest paid guy in the damn business. He's just done a tremendous promo as well. The audience loves them both. I mean, the audience was so into Brock, weren't they, in San Antonio? He was, I mean, what an ovation, booming response he received. Yeah. And he had to come out there with his had to go out there with his briefcase. You know, he showed poise. I mean, he didn't trip over his words once. Not once. So don't try and tell me this guy's not good. You know, I don't know whether he's ready to be a permanent main eventer. Probably not. But I mean, that performance was pretty bloody impressive, I thought. Uh, and Theory showed um, footage from Elimination Chamber of Lesnar F5ing him off one of the pods. Um, and Theory said to Lesnar that he hadn't forgotten. Um, you know, he's essentially saying, you know, Roman Reigns is, is, well, or did he say that later in the show? Where he said, Roman Reigns is screwed because if Lesnar doesn't beat him, then I will. I think he said that later. He said that later. But yeah, yeah, it was, um, but I thought Theory, um, you know, he set out his stall here. You know, he's, he he seems, it seems persuasive that he will cash in at SummerSlam. I mean, I think after all this talk that he's really going to have to, because if he doesn't, I think people will feel kind of a little bit ripped off, but we'll see. I mean, he's a heel, so he could change his mind. And then they have, the Alpha Academy turned up at ringside, and that didn't end well for Chad and Otis, did it, Kenny? No, they they were there to take the Lesnar beatdown. Um, there was one point with Lesnar was it when he suplexed Gable and he almost suplexed him into the cameraman, yeah. which was just a great visual. Um, and they, I mean the crowd were just lapping up Alpha Academy getting tossed around, and you know Lesnar Lesnar manhandling Otis and F5 him through the announce table was just a, a great. Great visual, so <laughs> it was. I mean, Otis, you know, he went up and then he went down and he didn't move for yeah. a long time. <laughs> Very hot opening segment to the show. Um, we also had uh, Judgment Day trying to recruit Dominic Mysterio. We found out that um, on the go-home Raw for SummerSlam, which is from Madison Square Garden, uh, they'll be celebrating Rey Mysterio's 20th anniversary in WWE. Um and then we got Ray facing Finn Balor. And I think they said it's the first time they've ever faced off against each other. Um, it was a pretty decent match. Um, surprisingly, Balor got the clean win with the coup de grace at the end. Um, I mean, this all, all signs do point to Dominic uh, turning on his dad during his, his celebration. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Balor versus Mysterio. I mean, he enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match. I think they've left something in reserve. For a later date, I'm not sure when the turn. I agree with you. I believe Dom's going to turn because the Judgment Day are trying to recruit him. A priest, a Damien Priest, said to Dominic um, that they had more to offer him than his father did. Priest said to Dom that they could rise with the Judgment Day or continue to fall uh, with Rey Mysterio. So you know they've said you know they have. That's their pitch. And it does feel like it's time for Dominic to do the heel turn, to do the split from his father and try and, even though it'd be part of Judgment Day, you know, it's it's a faction. So I think it's a, it's a lower pressure environment for him than just being a singles player. I'm not sure if he's ever going to really make it as a singles player, but I think as a heel in this faction, we're going to view him differently because at the moment he just looks like his father's sidekick, doesn't he? So, you know, he needs to, there needs to be, he needs to uncouple himself or a conscious uncouplement. Was that Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow, Kenny? I think it was, wasn't it? Was that the line they used when he split? Yeah, yeah absolutely, Fred. The, the, um, the, yeah, Chris Martin and, and Gwyneth Paltrow, was it, that was their PR statement, right? That was, oh, was the, so, yeah, well, there needs to be a conscious uncoupling yes. of, Ray, of Ray and Dom. And well, I think, yeah, Dom... <laughs> with Finn Balor and Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley when she returns. I think that would be a really good quartet. And we'll see what he can do as a villain. So we haven't seen him play that role yet, obviously. So, But I enjoyed this. And I, it feels like it's just part of the story. And I always like those type of matches that are not just, you know, throwaway matches to fill time, but a part of, you know, longer stories that have got a purpose. Yeah, I would, I would concur. Um and uh, yeah, also in the show, we got uh, Carmella getting a count out win over Bianca Belair with some help from uh, Becky Lynch. 
Um, so I guess they're going to keep that going as a kind of TV feud. But Becky did say she wants the SummerSlam match for the women's title. Um, Bianca and Becky at SummerSlam seems to be the match. Um, are you excited about the, the follow-up? to? I mean, I guess technically this is their third match because they had the, the SummerSlam match, then the WrestleMania, and this is the... The, the big one it feels like this is for, for raw this has to be the SummerSlam match keep Carmella out of it yeah I would think so I mean they had, I mean Lynch and Belair did have TV matches but you're right I think only three premium live event one-on-one matches yeah I mean I'm not really excited about seeing these two wrestle again um to me the story ended at Wrestlemania and I mean I know WWE has been kind of had this one thrust upon them because Rhea Ripley's injured. So, you know, this is like a substitute program to what I think to, to what I think they would have presented had Ripley been available for SummerSlam. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like the Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey thing. How do you book this? Yeah. You know, and Bianca, I don't think, has really been given, you know, the tools and the opponents to really make the most of this reign. And I think if it were to end at SummerSlam, that would be a disappointment. Um, you know, this whole Lynch saga is, you know, she's lost without the title and, you know, she's going crazy because she keeps being denied title opportunities with Bianca. So it does feel like it's going to be Belair versus Lynch again. But, you know, I'm not really sure if they can top the WrestleMania match. And I do fear for Belair if she loses to Lynch at SummerSlam. Uh, the only way this can work for me is if Belair wins and it's a hell of a match and she agrees, you know, there's, there's some sort of stipulation before the match take place, takes place that, yes, Belair, Bianca agrees to defend against Becky Lynch, but this is your final title match. You know, this is your final shot of my title and then, you know, we go our separate ways. That's the only way it can really work. And I think if Belair defeats Lynch in that type of match, then I think that will be a stature enhancer for Belair. And then Lynch can go off and do something else. I'm not sure what that will be. But as far as Becky defeating Bianca, I don't really want to see that, Kenny. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm torn because I don't think there's anything else they've got to offer on Raw that would be as good as it. But that, I mean, that's not really the, the reason to have it, right? That's, you know, you should... You should be constantly making new matches available. Um, but, I mean, I I kind of feel like Becky's going to win the title back. I can't really see. It feels like the, since WrestleMania, the whole story has just been her getting the title back. That's been what it is. But um, they, do, they need to do something soon about the sort of raw women's division because outside of Bianca and Becky, who is there? You know, for either of them. So if either of them, whoever comes out of SummerSlam with the title... Who do they face? You know, we've just seen Asuka involved for a couple of months. She didn't win it. I don't really know who else there is. So, you know, we talked earlier yeah. about, you know, maybe maybe Bailey's. Well, I don't know. Because Charlotte feels that like she's wrestled everybody. So whatever she, Charlotte she goes. She has. And, and, and we don't really want Charlotte versus Becky Lynch again, do we? No. So then maybe do you, do you put Bailey on Raw and you have her turn up and sort of be the person to, to take over whoever the champ is, maybe. Um, I mean, I guess Liv Morgan and Charlotte on SmackDown would be fresh, but they, yeah, they need to get better at telling stories. With the, if, if we're going to keep having the same women over and over again, then you need to tell really good stories with them to make it viable. So yeah, they've got maybe. some work to do uh, to SummerSlam and beyond. But... The main event of the show on Raw was a tag match with Bobby Lashley and Riddle taking on Seth Rollins and Theory. And the fans were really behind Lashley and Riddle. They really like them as a as a team here. Um, and uh, I thought this is a pretty good main event. I mean, I was... I can't even get the words out of it. I was flabbergasted that Dolph Ziggler turned up here. And... Um, <laughs> He ended up super kicking Theory after the match because uh, he ended up kind of helping the babyfaces get the win. So Ziggler is in a feud with Theory. I mean, obviously Theory's going to win, but did you see this one coming, Finn? Did you see Dolph Ziggler in his suit coming back to steal the show once more? <laughs> no, I didn't. I mean, didn't Riddle and Bobby Roode start something with MVP and Omas that lasted like one week? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, they, so. They, yeah, they did do something. It was about about four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, maybe slightly longer. Oh so. my god, I've lost the ability to remember things. Yeah, well, it was a blink and you miss it moment. And Omas and MVP, it was, I think it was after hell, right after the roar after Hell in a Cell. And Omas and MVP were there. And then Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, Robert Roode turned up. And um, did I think Ziggler super kicked MVP. I think that's right. So anyway, they pretended here that that hadn't happened. So that was just some impulsive thing that they included on the show and then they didn't follow it up. But you're right, Riddle and Bobby Lashley versus Theory and Seth Rollins. It was a popular main event. Um, yeah, people were really behind Riddle, who takes such a great beating. Tremendous, such a, you know, one of the best baby faces in the business. Just knows how to, you know, elicit sympathy when he's taking a good kicking in the ring. And, you know, Theory and Rollins, I thought, were a really good heel team. As you said, Dolph Ziggler walked out in a suit, very different attire to what he has previously worn on television. Sat at ringside. He was sort of acting a little bit like a baby face, but we weren't sure until um, Theory uh, rolled up Riddle and placed his feet on the middle rope. And then Ziggler pushed Theory's feet off the middle rope. Theory was then distracted by this interference, you know, who's pushing my feet off the rope while I'm trying to cover this guy, looks at Dolph at ringside, and then Riddle hit the RKO, didn't he? Hit the RKO for the one, two, three. And then everyone disappeared apart from Ziggler and Theory, and Ziggler nailed Theory with the super kick. So Dolph Ziggler is a babyface once again. This is the first time in a while that he's been a babyface, isn't it? So it just feels like, I mean... Ziggler's a guy who, you know, is obviously really talented. He had that little run with Bron Breaker in NXT, became, you know, became champ for a spell. You know, he he did that. And I don't know whether that really helped Bron Breaker or he didn't. But it was, you know, it did create some, some different matches for Bron and gave him the experience of wrestling. Somebody who was very experienced. So I think, you know, this Theory versus Ziggler thing, it'd be a short-lived program. Theory will, you know, it's another notch for the for the belt. You know, it's another big win for him over a, well, maybe not a big win, but a win over somebody who's got name value uh, leading into SummerSlam. So I can understand why they're doing it. And I think Theory and Ziggler can probably have a pretty good match. Um, so, I mean, Ziggler's too talented really to be doing nothing. You know, and as a babyface, that does feel new because it's so long since he's been a good guy. Yeah, we'll just need to see how long it's it's going to last for him. Um, I mean, if he's here to just put over theory, that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, him and Robert Roode's a team ending. I don't think there's going to be a lot of tears at, that, <laughs> at, the, at the Dirty Dogs. Uh, up. I do want to mention actually one thing I found very, very funny is after Lashley and Riddle won, Riddle started like slapping Lashley's chest, you know, as a kind of bravado, like, yeah, we won, whatever. And then Lashley slaps Riddle's chest back, but because he's so strong, Riddle falls to the ground and Lashley <laughs> has to get him up. I thought it was very funny, very, very funny. So um, I appreciate a little bit of comedy that uh, Riddle can bring to, to big match proceedings. So. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think Lashley is having so much fun in this program as well with Theory. You know, he's almost cracking up. It's like, you know, all right, kid, you know, all right then, yeah, all right, yeah. I mean, the whole flexing stuff and the matches and, you know, it looks to me like Lashley's having a really good time, you know, in WWE at the moment. And, um, you know, he still looks amazing. He can still go. What is he, like 44 or 45 now? 45. 45. I mean, you'd never believe it looking at him. So, uh, I mean, I think he's a real, you know, asset to, uh, to WWE at the moment. Turns 46 later this week. Wow. Can you believe it? Anyway, well, listen, he has fun and we have fun here at Podcast and for all of you listening. So we really do appreciate all your support. You can, of course, as we always say, you pre-order the new issue of Inside the Ropes magazine, issue 23 with John Moxley on the cover. There's loads of stuff in there. Finn has uh, done a, a tremendous feature on Paul Heyman, the third man in the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar feuds. 
I spoke to William Regal, um, we got reviews of Forbidden Door, Money in the Bank, um, a look at the McMahon scandal. So, so much stuff in this issue. So I hope you'll give us a, a chance. Yeah, story on Sasha Banks and Naomi as well. Yeah, so everything, it's a, it's a you know, stacked issue. Um, so I hope you guys will give us a go. InsideTheRoaksMagazine.com um, and also Patreon is where Finn and I are, you know, sort of, you know, keeping the lights on on the podcast by doing some extra stuff. So we always do an overrun. We uh, do retro pay-per-view reviews where later this month we'll be reviewing Vengeance 2002 with that epic uh, rock Undertaker Kurt Angle main event. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fun time over there. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Rocks is where you can get involved. So uh, yeah, I hope, you'll, uh, hope you'll give us a try if you don't do so already. Indeed, and we will be speaking later this week for Power Slam. So, Finn, until we speak again, it's been a pleasure as always. Indeed, indeed, Kenny. Yes, thanks for having me, and thanks everyone for listening. And as we always say, you know, if there's anything you want us to do, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll try and accommodate you. Indeed. So, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.